navy blue Victoria. As he uses his feet and goes again through mid-wicket. That's an even better shot from the Victorian captain. Swept away very nicely by Nicole Bottom for four. Oh, he's re-given! That is 50. The man from Northcote. And welcome to another edition of the Vic State Cricket Podcast. The Young Guns is the theme this week. We've got two of Victoria's brightest young stars with us on the podcast. And a little bit later on, Adam Crosswaite will join us in the Legends series. And he certainly has a great story to tell. But we're going to start by welcoming in John O'Merlo, who's been around the Victorian system now for quite a while. John O, thanks for being my co-host today. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. Now, you've played cricket with Adam Crosswaite, so I'm sure you're going to have some plenty of questions for him a little bit later on. Yeah, hopefully. I might even chuck in a few little one-liners every now and then just to keep him on his toes. Very good. So not only have we got uh, you, John, but we've got someone. Again, I'm going to get you to introduce this person because he's a good mate of yours and uh, he's sort of the the big news of Victorian cricket because he made his debut last week and did pretty well. Yeah, so we have uh, Fergus Brownless O'Neill here. (laughs) Um, I think firstly what I think everyone needs to know is, Ferg, how did you get the nickname Brownless? Well... Back in my uh, tradie days, I used to listen to the Rush Hour, JB and Billy, and um, all the time we used to love them and JB and Billy would, you know, Billy would go on a rant about something, give a tip, usually Geelong to beat North Melbourne, our team, Jono, which is pretty inevitable, and they'd call him Tipster Brownless, so he'd go on a big rant and they'd call him Rambling Brownless, and I've kind of run with that, tried to make it my own now, and Brownless is everywhere, so going all right with that for the moment. (laughs) Very good, very good. Now, tell us about the debut. Um, it's what so many cricketers, particularly that live in Victoria, want to do is represent their state and you got the opportunity to do that uh, on the weekend or last week. What, what was it like? Well, I think I was, I was very, very grateful to get the opportunity. I thought that was, yeah, it was a privilege to be able to play. I was very happy to get my cap presented by Trav. Uh, Trav Dean, both John and I obviously know very well and I think he... He's been great for the Vicks, and if there's someone I probably look up to at the Vicks, probably be Trav. So I thought that was that was a really good start for me, getting that going. And then yeah, it was it was a great experience. I think you learn a lot just being in the system for the year and a bit I have been, and then you learn just as much in the four days that you play. I know you'd know a lot about that, Merles. You've played you've played enough now, and for me to get a taste, I, I thought it was good. I'm happy that it's done now. The Caprezzo and the the media and that, you know, a little bit of added pressure. I'm happy that that's done. I was happy to be able to play and to be able to contribute. But I think, you know, you're not judged off one game. You judge your career. So hopefully I can hopefully I can keep going all right. Was it what you thought it would be? Yeah, it was. I, the, You can see the players that are a different gravy. Like I felt I was very lucky to get Hetty for my first wicket and I thought that if he didn't nick that wide one, I could have been a very different debut for me. So... I just I, I realised how good the good are and also how hard it is to win a game. I felt like we dominated that for three and a half days in probably the worst of the conditions and still couldn't win the Shield game. So I think that's that's a good learning thing for us and I'm excited to hopefully get my first win whenever that may be. Now I'll ask Jono the, the same question but I'll ask you first. What's it like when you're watching these guys on television to see Travis Head, Alex Carey, these sorts of players... And all of a sudden, you're bowling to them. And some of the best players in the world, I mean, both play for Australia, and here you are coming in and bowling to them. What's what's that like? Do you have to pinch yourself or are you in the zone that they just become a player? Yeah, I, I don't think you probably appreciate it till after the game or until you you finish your spell or whatever. But 
you try and treat them as just another person, but it, it is it is hard. Obviously, you've been growing up looking at these people and and watching these people since a young age. So that's that was definitely a bit different. But you know, I felt like once you're in the contest, they just become another person. Obviously, so that's what I tried to do. And yeah, I was I was lucky that Hetty nicked the wide one because it could have been a different debut for me if that didn't happen. You're calling him your bunny, weren't you? No, that's all the boys were saying. saying oh no, I was not calling him that. Well, you got him again. Oh, you got him twice yeah. in the match. <laughs> that was should have heard him saying in the changes. Oh, that is uh, <laughs> propaganda. Um, he might, no. might not play Test cricket again. Oh, no, I, I highly doubt that. I think he's he's a very good player. <laughs> what did you learn? Um, well, yeah, I definitely learned how hard it is to win a game, and. I think I gained a greater respect for the Barrel and Big Will Sutherland and Croc, like to just keep coming in and steaming in and and going for as long as they did. Um, I thought on the other side as well, Jordan Buckingham, who's good Northwest Wizard, like Jono <laughs> and I, and good mate of mine. I thought like how he just kept charging in and would above forty five overs or so. Like I think that's what I learnt how hard Shield cricket is. You know, we watched the T twenty and the sixes and the fours and the, you bowl f- four overs to to come in and bowl, you know. I only bowled, I think, 28 overs and barrel bowled 45 and I was absolutely cooked. So I felt like that's a big thing I learned, how hard chill cricket actually is. What about you, Jono, your debut? You've played a lot of short-form cricket, you've played big bash cricket, um, but to play for Victoria in a shield game, what, what was that experience like? Who gave you your cap and, you know, living out your dream? Yeah, um, yeah. I think Ferg sort of hit the nail on the head. Really, it's an amazing accomplishment that you'll never forget. Um, I was lucky to get my cap presented to me by Sean Graff, um, a great Saint Kilda man, and obviously even better Victorian man. So that was something quite special to me. Um, mine was a little different. I was batting three at the Gabba with a juke ball. So <laughs> good luck. I remember good sitting luck. in the nets, going like, "Oh no, I'm not ready for this." <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it was an amazing experience. I remember hitting my first or second ball for four down the ground and I was like, oh, geez, this, this might be a bit more comfortable than I thought. And then I got bowled the next ball <laughs> <laughs> and then made a duck in the second inning. So mine probably wasn't the best debut. Um, but, yeah, amazing experience. And I think I had to wait a fair while before my next Shield game after that. But, um, yeah, I think Ferg will, will sort of – contest to this the more he plays I think the more you play the more comfortable you get and um, the more experiences you sort of exposed to I think just held you for good stead in the long run and even even just playing white ball cricket um, as well I think the more you play for Victoria the more comfortable you get in the group the more comfortable you get in your own game and um, they're all just invaluable experiences. So both of you guys are quite unique in that you can bat and bowl and often there's either a spot for one of those in the team or none of those in the team. They'll play four specialist bowlers, a keeper and, and, and the batsman. So what's that like as two emerging players that, you, that you're around the mark and it's, and it's so hard to get into the team and then it's so hard to stay in the team depending on on circumstances? I'll ask you first, John. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's very tricky, um, I think especially, but I just think, I don't know if you think about it like this, Ferg, but I always think... I mean, I've got two skills and three skills, if you count fielding, that I can possibly impact with. And I think that's probably something that nine other blokes on the field, possibly ten sometimes, can't quite do that. So, I mean, especially for a white ball game for me, I'll go out and, I mean, if we're batting first and I miss out, it's like, well, okay, I've got 50 overs here that I can impact with the field or I can impact with the ball. Um, So 
that's one way I look at it. Um, obviously, it gets tricky when yeah you're gonna you're gonna get shield games or um, even white ball games where they say no, nah, we're gonna go with four specialist bowlers or um, or whatever they're gonna go with. But I think yeah, it's just all about trying to take it in the most positive way you can. Um, I'm not sure if you think about it the same way, Ferg, but no, I reckon you hit a nail on the head there. I feel like you know it's it's invaluable to be able to contribute with both bat and ball in the same in the same um, in the same game, in the same innings. And you look at the people who say Cam Green's going to be the best player of all time, well, you can bowl 140 and take five and can also make 100. So I feel like, as you said, that's spot on. Being able to contribute with both bat and ball is is what you want to be able to do. And I feel like you're never out of the game, you know, whether it be you it doesn't go your way with the ball, you feel like you can contribute with the bat. And I thought in that Shield game it showed, you know, we played the extra bowler and for Sutherland seven to get... 140 runs for the game and mate what I reckon he got six wickets for the game that's that's invaluable so yes it is um yeah to be able to contribute with both bat and ball I feel like it always keeps us in the game and that that's something that we can you know whether you're a batter that bowls a bit or a bowler that bats a bit if you can be able to do both that's that's priceless and you got a few handy runs as well over in Adelaide are you again to both of you are you white ball players then red ball players or the other way around? Or do you see yourselves as both? What? How do you see yourself? You're still obviously both very early in your careers. I'll let you go first, Fergie. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. Like you want to be able to do everything and we speak about being able to play both red and white ball. But I, I think I'm probably more suited to, to red ball at the moment. But, you know, things change within three, four months, let alone four or five years, hopefully, if you're lucky enough to play for that long. So I feel like at the moment I've probably suited a bit more to red ball, but I'd love to play wild ball, I'd love to play big bash. And I think if you get the opportunity, no matter whether it be in shield cricket or in big bash or in the Marsh Cup, if if, if we're there, I know we'll both be backing ourselves with bat and ball and hopefully we can contribute for the boys. Yeah, I think I'm probably just the opposite. I think yeah, white ball's probably been the one thing I've probably been able to try and hold the spot in in the Victorian team a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, first spot on. I think um, probably for us sort of medium paces, you, you'd like getting a red ball in your hand and, and being able to try and execute different skills and try and bowl a couple of wobble scenes as Fergie's high <laughs> Um Yeah, I think, I think it's just one of those things, though, that if you're going to be um, put into more of a white ball frame for the time being. That doesn't mean that you're not working on your red ball game and, and when the chance comes, you're going to try and absolutely do everything you can to, gra- to grab it. Um, so I think it's just for us at the moment, it's developing the skills in the background and then when you get your chance in the white or red ball, whatever you're playing in, it's just saying, no, nah, I'm going to do it. And that's the thing. We spend four or five months in pre-season where we're working on both sides of our games, white and red ball. So... Um, it doesn't mean that when we get into whatever format it is that we're not going to be able to go, that nah, we're ready. Yeah. What about, um, now you're both really good mates and at times you're both vying for the same spot. How, how hard is that? Because we're going to talk to Adam Crossweight later who was the wicketkeeper in the Victorian team fighting for a spot with Matthew Wade. So I'm interested to hear what he's got to say about that, um, that whole situation, that scenario. But what about for you two guys? Yeah, I actually can't stand him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, I think Fergie and I, are, yeah, we're, we're really good mates and um, I think he's, it's just one of those things that you just, I think in the squad that we've got at the moment, we're all relatively the same age. Um, 
similar sort of parts of our career as well where we can just like I mean Fergie and I can go for a coffee and we've done it plenty of times where we'll just sit down and talk about where we're at and and you know just sort of trying to find a way to I think I'm I've said it a few times to him one of the things that I always say um for each other because we're so similar is just like each year that you come in and you're contracted because who knows how long it's going to be for you just there's got to be something that you get better at or there's something that you've got to start doing that you previously couldn't do because if you're constantly improving and getting better and better and better then I mean it's going to be pretty hard to sort of say well we're not going to contract this guy or we're not going to play this guy because well look at his improvement rate so um I think I'm not sure if you're the same, Fergie, but I'm not very phased by who's going for my spot. I mean, like, even Sutto has probably been the main all-rounder um, for Victoria for however many years and even now junior stuff, and he's I can easily say he's one of my best mates and I absolutely love seeing him get his 100. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it really affects us that much. Do you find it the same, being such good mates, that, it, that it's easy to almost make yourselves better, work with each other? Yeah, for sure. I think we definitely do a lot of work together in the pre-season and the off-season. And I also think with the tight-knit group that we've got at the moment, we're all happy to celebrate each other's success. Um, we were here watching the boys not long ago for Kami McClure's birthday and had a good group there. And I feel like, yeah, just with all the boys being a similar age demographic, um, we're all celebrating each other's success. And whether it's John's turn or my turn or whoever's turn, um, we're all happy to see each other go well. It is quite noticeable how close you are and not just in age, but you, you really get on really well. So to your pathway through to get to this point where you're both, you know, you're both wearing uh, Victorian cricket polo shirts in here tonight, today, how did, how did it happen for you, Fergus? How did you get, were you in all the representative squads or did you develop later? How did it happen? Yeah, I think I was a bit different to a fair few of the boys. I was, I played 12s and 15s and was going quite well and I missed out on the under-17s. Uh, Vic stuff and I um I finished school after year 11 and I was on the tools and working as a tradie digging holes landscaping um and I kind of realized maybe cricket maybe I should take that a bit more seriously it's a little bit a little bit better doing that than digging holes and working long days and long hours in weather like we have at the moment in Melbourne so um I I was lucky enough to play first first grade for Melbourne under Adam Dale and Cam White as my captain and I think Whitey was big for me coming through getting me on the right track with my cricket and obviously he's a great Victorian player and Australian player so he was a good influence for me and I ended up playing the under-19s Vic stuff went all right there and kept going all right through the through the Melbourne Demons and was lucky enough to be here and yeah just grateful for for how good it is and a lot, lot better than being on the tools, I can guarantee that. So it's almost like a, a footy player that, that didn't get picked up in a draft mm. and you think it's going to happen and then it doesn't happen. So you come back and you get an opportunity a little bit later but you've got better perspective on on what it all means and, yeah. and, and what's possible, I guess. 100%. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Like I, the perspective is a great word. You realise, you know, how lucky we are to do this through COVID. We didn't have any any effects through us um, and, yeah, to come in and really to do what we do and call it work is probably not fair. We all have fun. We all train. We all stay fit and healthy and have a good time and, yeah, we're all grateful to be doing what we're doing, I think, and that's been a big thing for a lot of the boys. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it and I know all the boys are as well. What about you, Johnny? It's different but similar. Obviously in the Australian under-19 team, 
um, you've been around the system now for quite quite some time, even yeah. playing um, some of the the stuff when you what was it what was the, the cricket Australia eleven or something like that in oh, the, yeah yeah in the the old one day cup yeah um, so no. t- share us with how you got through and probably when you thought oh, I reckon I could play for Victoria yeah so I, a little bit different I guess to Fergie um, so I sort of played the from 15s through to 19s, both with Victoria and Australia in those sorts of tournaments. Um, and then was lucky to play um, for, I think it was the last CA11 team in the mm. JLT Cup at the time. So, um, yeah, I think I sort of got, uh, not I wouldn't say fast-tracked, but I was sort of thrown into situations a lot earlier than, I guess, Ferger and a lot of other guys um, would be um, thrown into. So I think that was um, pretty... I think I got a lot out of that, um, especially being an 18-year-old playing against senior players. Um, but at the same time, I think when you do get your chance and your contract with Victoria, it's still you walk into the change room and you go, okay, I've got to take another absolute leap to get to where I want to get to, um, despite having done what I've done in the past. Because um, when you go from playing junior cricket against guys your age um, to jump into play against men who a lot of the time they want to take your head off or they're giving you a few words behind the back that sort of said like, okay, I'm not actually ready for this. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely um, a massive step when you do get to that from junior cricket to senior cricket. But, um, I mean, you learn so much along the way that it, it helps you and, and, it, and it gets you ready for what you need to be ready for. And the great thing is you're both so young still. Um, you mentioned um, the Sutherlands before and the work of Will. Uh, the women, they've had a, a win and a loss in recent times before they went off on their big bash journeys for the year. Um, can you quite comprehend what the Sutherlands, Annabelle and Will are doing at their age? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I think even if you just look at Balzi um, for the time being, I think she's averaging, I think, what is it? 150. 150, yeah, something amazing where she's got 200s and could have been three. Um, so, like, we watch that stuff really closely, especially with the girls and how they're going. Um yeah, I mean, just that alone, averaging 150 in four or so games is unbelievable. And then you've got Will at the other side that um, his bowling, I think everyone knows, has been tremendous over the years. And um, he's got a horse heart that he can just absolutely run in all day. And then to get his batting on side as well, in especially shield cricket, to get 100 in, um, I mean, I wasn't there, but it sounded like some extremely tough conditions. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think... He's one of my good mates, so I absolutely love watching him fly and, and Belsey's the exact same. To see her at such a young age, not only dominating for Victoria but for Australia as well, I think it's um, it's incredible, especially for that family. Do you cross paths much between the men's and the women's program? Like not necessarily bowling to them or whatever, but watch them train and appreciate their skills? Oh, for sure. Like they're always in the gym with us at similar times and I think we get to see the hard work that they do in the uh, – in the in the nets and in the preseason, and they they're here before us a lot of the time and leave after we're after we're gone. So, a, a lady that bowls lots of balls, Soph Day, I, I see her bowling all the time in the nets, and for her to take five for what was it a couple of days ago, I yeah. think that's yeah that's bowled great. Us to victory. And, yeah, bowled us to victory, and that shows the hard work that that they put in is is uh, so starting to pay off. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for coming, both of you. Uh, congratulations on the debut. Thank you. Um, I know, obviously, uh, Travis Head's not too happy with you, but uh, <laughs> that's bad luck for Trav. Um, next game is here against WA next week, weather permitting. We hope that things will all be uh, uh, okay there. And 
I guess it's a chance to try and get that win. You got so close getting them seven wickets down South Australia. You just unfortunately couldn't get Henry Hunt out, which is a bit of an issue. Mm. But do you feel that there was some momentum to take out of that game going into the next one? Oh, for sure. Like I, I thought, as I said, we, we were very good for probably three and a half, all, all four days really. I thought had the worst of the conditions and, and to play very well and come up just short. Uh, you know, Henry Hunt, obviously, the brick wall was was very good. So definitely positives out of that. And I think we're going to have a little bit of a different squad going into this next game. And obviously against the Whackers, the reigning Shield champions. And I was 12th man last year when they won the Shield final to see how good they are and, and to see how good their team is. You know, I think with the squad we're going to throw out, it's only going to do us do us favours be, uh, to be playing against a team like that. So, you know, win, lose, or draw will be... We'll be Going well for the big V, and hopefully we can, yeah, we can get that win we're all hoping for. And I know, Jono, you weren't there, but it was good to see Hanscom get runs. Obviously, got a century in the second innings. Harris get runs in both innings. You know, the, some of the the cream did rise to the top in the in the first shield game. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it just sort of shows how well these boys have been playing. And Harry, obviously, having a different preseason in England, and mm. Pete um, having a bit of preseason over there, and as well with us. So, I think it just sort of shows how um, how strong our side is. Um, from perspective of guys sitting on the sidelines. So, I mean, absolutely love seeing those guys make runs and hopefully it flows into the next game against WA. Now, Jono, you're going to stick around, but I know you've got a question you would like to yeah. ask Fergus before we let I him would, go. absolutely. So, go Fergie, tomorrow. I think you've got your driver's licence booked in for tomorrow on a day that's, what, 70 mils. <laughs> but I've got to ask because I've heard about two or three excuses from you for your, where you haven't got your licence. So what's the story there? Why haven't you got it? And uh, what excuse have you got for us when you fail again? I've uh, just never got around to it. So that's uh, that's a problem. I was a bit bit lazy as a youngster. Boys, uh, boys at work had the big the big uh, landscape trucks, so they would pick me up in the morning. Had everything in there, so I didn't need to drive to and fro, and left it on the back burner. And um, yeah, tomorrow with seventy five mils of rain, I got a eight thirty test. So hopefully there's no flash flooding or anything, and I'll be able to get that done, and I'll be be driving into to training on Friday morning. Okay, fair enough. Are you bro. happy with that answer? Uh, I'll look forward to hearing what he's got for me because he's, <laughs> he runs his mouth a lot, that bloke, so he'll come up with some sort of excuse. Well, Fergus, thank you. Jono, you stick around because Adam Crossweight is our special guest. That's next on the Vic State Cricket Podcast. And welcome back to the Vic State Cricket Podcast. Well, Jono, our special guest, our legend this week, has got a very interesting story to tell. We know it's Adam Crossthwaite, but before we speak to Adam, you're a teammate of him at St Kilda. What can you tell us about him? What what makes him a good cricketer? What makes him one of the best Premier cricketers we've probably seen in, in 20 years when you look at his record? Yeah. Um, I think I'm obviously extremely fortunate to have played under him for the last, what is it, two or three seasons. Um, I still remember the first time Crossy called me when I was when he was coming over, sorry, um, I just remember walking away from that conversation thinking, geez, this is a guy that's got so much knowledge. Um, he's got an incredible experience through different states, different levels. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that stood out straight away for me was just he's a guy that can just express his knowledge in an extremely intelligent way as well. And that's probably the biggest thing. There's a lot of guys that have the knowledge but probably don't quite know how to deliver it sometimes to the younger players and um, yeah, I think his on-field talents are something that sort of just um, speaks in the record itself. But, um, yeah, for me, that's probably one of the biggest things that stood out, just his incredible knowledge and the way he can look after and lead players around him as well. Adam Crossway, welcome. 
Thank you. How'd that sound? That sound that's amazing. You brought a tear to my eye, John. It was like that's the first nice. and last time you'll ever hear I know, that. I know. <laughs> you put someone on the spot like that. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> not going to say, but um, no, thank you. Happy to be here. It's an amazing story because um, cricket in a number of different states, a number of different countries, which brings you know you're not even forty years of age yet, but you've got this worldly experience as a cricketer. Would you have it any other way? Uh, yeah, look, I probably would. I would have loved to have stayed in Victoria and, and played uh, a lot more first-class cricket for Victoria. And, yeah, if I had my had it my way, I probably would have loved to have done that and played for Australia. But um, the way that it all panned out, I don't think any move that I made was a wrong one. I think they were all um, what I needed to do for my career. Um, as a professional cricketer, it's sometimes uh, what you have to do. And as a wicket keeper, that's, um, that's a really tough one when there's only – six first-class positions in the country and one Australian spot that you're going for, yeah, you, you need opportunity. And, um, yeah, Matthew Wade and I were duking it out for, for some years there and, um, yeah, it was just I needed to move because Victoria had made their mind up that they were going with him and um, which ended up being a great call because he played test cricket and he's still playing cricket for Australia and hats off to them and, look, that, that hurt me um, as a Victorian. But, um, yeah, as a professional you have to – get up and go and then I went to New South Wales and then in turn went to South Australia, then went back to New South Wales. So a uh, bit of a journey but, uh, yeah, look, it was uh, – I've had a great time along the way. I've played with some great players and in some great states and in some great clubs and I've been pretty lucky. So I've loved every step um, but, yeah, if I could have had it any different, yeah, look, I would have loved to have stayed in Victoria. It's the reason I asked you the question is that being a wicketkeeper, as you said, there's only one position in the team. And if we go all the way back to when you emerged on the scene, coming through the Australian Under-19 team, you were seen as a real young gun and an exciting young talent for Victorian cricket. What was it like bursting onto the scene through the Australian Under-19 team and here you are in a Victorian team just laden with superstars? Yeah, that was – look, it was an amazing time and to – I think I was 17 when David Hooks got me into the into the squad and um, I was around my heroes. It, like Brad Hodge was a hero of mine forever and Darren Berry was the, the greatest wicket keeper I've ever seen and probably still is. Um, and to train with these guys every day and to be around them and uh, Matthew Elliott and Jason Armberger and um, – uh, Colin Miller was still around when they like some some great Victorian cricketers were were there and thereabouts and I was able to come through with Cameron White and Andrew McDonald and um, Finchie was a, younger than me and yeah we, we probably had I think when we you look back Victorian cricket that David Hooks era when we started and that group got together you could probably say that that's the start of when Victoria started to dominate domestic cricket pressure what was it like being that young gun coming through, getting an opportunity, learning from Darren Berry. But then with pressure and opportunity becomes expectation as well, comes expectation. What what was that like through those those, those early days? Yeah, look, it was there, – there was a lot of pressure. And I think uh, looking back on it now, I probably played when I was too young. Um, I was – my wicket keeping was always up to standard and was always very good. Um, looking back on it now, I didn't know how to bat. Um, I was skillful. I was dynamic. I was um, good in the short form game, but um, I probably took that aggressive approach into shield cricket, which was probably um, an undoing. And um, I think I was 21 when uh, Matthew Wade rocked up as a, a younger wicketkeeper, and we went we went head to head for probably two or three years, and 
Um, yeah, the rest is history. But um, I probably just didn't nail my shield batting um, at the start, um, and probably could, and I put that down to being young and dumb and trying to do anything I could for the team. Um, at the time, was probably just a little bit immature with my batting, but um, yeah, the pressure was there. It was um, high stakes. I think the the team and that group. Um, it's funny when you leave Victoria after being in a squad like that, you just think that that's the way that cricket is and the way that world cricket is. And it, and then it wasn't until I left and went into the New South Wales squad and end up in the South Australian squad that you realised how special that Victorian team was. And look, we didn't all all get along. Um, we, with every one of them, were just competitive and, and they were such great cricketers individually as a squad. You can name 20 of the players that um, were in that squad who were who probably all thought at one stage that they were the best player in the state. Um, and that's what made us so good. Um, it was competitive for spots. It was always pressure. And Greg Shippard used to stand at the end of the nets and, and watch the quicks um, and try and pick from a barrage of 10 quicks that anyone could play in the next Shield game. And, um, yeah, when you've got... Nanners, Harwood, Lewis, um, you've got a young James Pattinson, young James Pattinson, young Peter Siddle, um, Clint Mackay, John Hastings, uh, but then we had guys like Jared Denton, Damien Wright. Like batting in the nets at Victoria was the hardest thing you'll ever do in cricket. Um, and this was before front foot no ball, so um, they were bowling quick and they were bowling a little bit over the front line. And um, I've always said that if you could survive that those net sessions, you can so survive any cricket. And, um, yeah, it was good fun and I learned a lot. But, yeah, it wasn't until I left I realised how special that group was because that's the group that I was built into and it probably still rings true in a lot of my coaching and the way that I work with the guys at yeah. the moment. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about Darren Berry, Matthew mm. Wade a little bit later on because there's so many interesting discussions around that. But bringing Jono in as well because you're quite similar in your pathways in a sense of playing Australian under-19s playing a specialist role as an all-rounder in your case compared to Adam as a keeper. What's it like when you're going through that pathway, you're getting all these opportunities, you're the, the big dog on campus, so to speak, that all of a sudden you go into a very much a, a, a sea and you're a small fish as opposed to a big fish in a small pond, that, that adjustment? Yeah, um, I think it's a bit of a tricky one. I'm not sure if <clears throat> you felt the same way, Crossy, but it's almost like a, there's almost like a false hope in a sense just because you're sort of you're playing an under-19s World Cup and, as you said, you sort of you feel like you're at this level where it's like, oh, I'm just a, a click away, I guess. But um, you come into a senior setup, especially Victoria, and it's like, well, I'm actually a lot further than I think I'm at, um, which I think is actually a really good thing because I think it, when you're at the, at that tender age of 18, 19, it's very quick to sort of just go, I know it all, I can do everything myself. Um, whereas when you sort of get into into a group where I think my group's probably different to what you walked into. Like I've got Pete Hanscom, um, Pato was there at the time, like Cameron White, Trav Dean, just so many different guys that from a batting perspective I was looking at going like, okay, that's actually how you go about things. Whereas I am in such a different position and probably don't fully understand my game. I'm not sure if you felt the same way, Crossy, mm. but um, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing for me. Do you feel you have um, not so much a target on your back but your name is up in lights because you've had that pathway, you've played for Australia, you come on, you're the exciting young gun in the Victorian team, that the the expectation's really high that it's just going to happen straight away? Um, I think I'm, I was probably a little bit different just in a sense that uh, I was not in 
Will Sullivan's shadow, but he was the big upcoming all-rounder. So I think that helped me a little bit in a sense that I could just sort of go about my business and probably wasn't in the limelight as much as Sullo is. And, I mean, he's you watch him now, he's just scored one of the better hundreds I've seen. Like, he's a tremendous player. But I think for me that's probably helped a little bit in the sense that I can walk away and just sort of really in the back pages sort of just go about my business, I guess. Yeah. What about you, Adam, coming, as I said before, bursting on the scene and the next Darren Berry, the next yeah. Ian Healy, the next whatever, um, did you feel that... Not so much you had a point to prove, but people were wanting you to prove a point as to why you're going to get these opportunities, particularly when, as you said, there's one position in the team. Yeah, look, I think my situation was was different again from John's, but my situation, Darren Berry was the only wicketkeeper I knew uh, for Victoria. Like he was, he was Victoria, he was what Victoria was and I just watched since I was like eight years old. Yeah. Um, and... The idea of taking over from him was exciting but uh, daunting and scary and, um, yeah, it was – and we had Adam Gilchrist, which my game was sort of moulded um, on. Uh, so to play against someone like a Gilchrist and be chasing that dream but then to take over from Chuck was um, – yeah, it was, there was a lot of pressure to it. It was, it was different. Um, Chuck was such a senior person in the squad. Um and then, yeah, the way, the way it all happened, my first game, Chuck slept through his alarm clock and uh, at the Allen Border Medal and I got my first game because Hooksy suspended him. Um, so there was, a, there was a lot of things at the time. It was just a whirlwind. Uh, I was away with the under-19 Australian team at the time and, yeah, Chuck unfortunately slept through his alarm and Hooksy nailed him and um, next thing I'm on a plane up to Brisbane to, to play. So, um, yeah, it was daunting to take over from from Chuck, but uh, it was exciting. It was um, it was the spot that I'd wanted since I was a, a child. Did he did he help you when you sort of came into the squad? How did yeah. that sort of dynamic go? Because it's obviously pretty difficult being the older guy and you got the young guy coming through. But how did you go with that? Yeah, and no, look, Chuck was good. He um, he, I think I hit him a lot more balls than what he hit me. Put it that way. <laughs> um, but no, he he was he was great, and and he still is to to this day. Like he um, he his knowledge on cricket is very good. Um, but yeah, he was just a, a giant of the game in my eyes. Um, but again, walking into that squad. Um, like you had Shane Warne walking around. He was finished playing um, one day cricket for Australia, so he was with the squad a lot more than um, usual. Uh, you just had so many big personalities that, yeah, I was just a little boy in the corner just doing my thing. And, um, yeah, under Hooksy and under Shippy was sort of sort of trying to become your own man whilst um, learning how to play cricket was, um, yeah, it was a baptism of fire, that's for sure, but... Um, yeah, it's shaped me into the cricket that I became and that I am. And, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of the lessons I tell John and speak to the guys about, it's usually lessons that from that era of Victorian cricket. It's something you said resonates with me around opportunity because often it's you've got to take your opportunity. But sometimes when your opportunity comes, you might not necessarily be ready to be your best to take that opportunity, but it's when the opportunity comes. And you're yeah. a bit like that. Yeah, look, 100%. I, I think that... Uh, look, my, my opportunity, my, I debuted when I was 18 in one-day cricket. I think I played when I was 19, 20 in, in shield cricket. Um, if I had my way right now, being an older player, I wish that I played when I was 24, 25. Um, and I think this is the issue that we sometimes have in cricket, that we push these young kids too, too hard too early and we expect too much from them. I, I think um, that... You give them two years. If they haven't come on, it's on to the next one. And I think that's the danger we have. Um, 
but yes, yeah, so I looking back, I wish I played shield cricket from twenty five to thirty five, not from twenty to twenty four. Yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of the the I look at some of these young guys now and the pressure. You talk about pressure. That's the pressure that they're under, um, and a lot of that is because they are the next Michael Clark. They are the next Steve Smith. Is this the next um, Ricky Ponting? Like, and I think we've seen um, probably a diminished older brigade in shield cricket over the last 15 years. Um, and I think when we were the strongest as an Australian team, we had senior cricketers and that, that squad I walked into, like we had senior cricketers in Jason Armberger, uh, Matthew Elliott, um, Ian Harvey, uh, guys like this who if they're around in today's cricket era, they probably wouldn't still be on contract, um, which is which is a, an interesting um, topic when you talk about the strength of Australian cricket. Playing for Victoria, and you said as such a young man with all these great players, what are, you, what are your memories? Catches stand out. I remember as a Victorian cricket fan, stumpings down league side, those sorts of things. But what stands out that you might just occasionally dream of about what it was like back then? Uh, yeah, look, I, all of my cricket that I've played, and I've played a lot of it now, that I don't actually remember a lot on, on field. Uh, I remember wicketkeeping to Warney and I think that was probably the highlight of, of my career to be able to wicketkeep to Shane Warne, the greatest, for for so many games and in situations. I remember there was a Shield game in Adelaide, um, day four, South Australia were chasing runs and it was Warne versus Lehman and there would have been 300 people at the ground, Adelaide Oval, day four. It was the best cricket I've ever seen in my life. And the rest of us, we all stood around and we just watched Warne versus Lehman and and I was able to keep to it. It was one of the, the greatest cricketing days ever. And, and I think I kept really well. We, we ended up stumping him, but actually I actually don't think it was out, but it got given <laughs> um, and we ended up winning the game. But it was those memories on field are, are incredible. I played with incredible players, watching Brad Hodge dominate, um, watching Dirk Nanners fly like the wind and um, Shane Harwood scare people and David Hussey and Cameron White just demolish attacks. I, I played in such an amazing era of, of Victorian cricket that was, um, yeah, I look back fondly on on that. But I think the the main part of it is just the, the change rooms, and it's what it's what you miss when you when you leave a team and leave a, a squad is the, um, yeah, the, the days after or the the time after a day's fielding or a day day in the dirt. So. Um, that's probably what you what you miss when you sort of step away from it. Um, but yeah, like playing for Victoria was a, a dream of mine as a kid, and it's, it's something I'm super proud of. And yeah, love walking into the room. I love seeing guys like John play for Victoria, and um, yeah, teammates play, and just watching the squad. I'm I, I think I'm a big cricket uh, cricket Victoria Victorian cricket fan. Um, so still a still a fan even today. So um, I enjoy watching the boys play. I've got to I've got to ask. I've been fortunate enough to play a fair bit with Crossy and hearing you speak about um, the group you came up through. Is that where you got your fiery on-field stuff from? Because <laughs> I've seen him hold up a game for about five, ten minutes sometimes, So, which I love because I, I love the fire in you, but I've got to ask, where's it come from? Yeah, look, I think when you learn from some of the best, it, it, they're just competitive. And look, I think that um, I think there's a little bit of that that's been lost in the game. Um, that there's there's obviously a line, and there's no like the abuse side of things is no good, and the sledging side of things is no good. But I think the competitiveness of cricket sometimes gets lost. Um, and again. Um, and I know I talk about this group, this early two thousands Victorian, probably two thousand two thousand ten Victorian squad. Like it was, 
the most competitive group of individual men that you'll ever that I've ever seen. Um, they all thought they were better than each other. They all went out to prove it every single net session, every single game. But there was something about that group that when you walked onto the field, as much we could have, be arguing, we could we could not approve of the um, strategy or whatever. But as soon as we walked on that field, it was everyone knew you were playing for Victoria with each other. So, um, and then. After the game and a few beers would be said and a few had and words were said and fire, people get fired up and like we had some really interesting post-match celebrations but um, that group was as competitive and, yeah, that, that's where I learned how to play cricket. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't take a step back probably because the guys I played with were like that and that's how I learned how to play how to play the game. Yeah, fascinating. So you talked before about Darren Berry and the support role that – that you had to give him as much as the other way around. With Matthew Way, what, what's that like? It's almost like a soccer goalkeeper who, who's going to get the job in goal. Um, yeah. Can you be mates? Can you can you make each other better? Or is that, you know, that, that, that might not be the right thing to do for your own personal yeah, growth and, look, look, and development? I, I think it's really difficult. I, I think that um, Wade and I had a professional relationship for sure. Um, I wanted his spot. He wanted my spot. Uh, we both wanted to play cricket for Australia. Um, we both knew that there could only be one Victorian keeper and it, we had it for a few years that I was the t- T20 and the one-day keeper and I was playing shield cricket as a bat. He was the shield keeper but playing one-day and T20 cricket as a bat. So we were in the same team a lot. Um, and just like I was saying, when we stepped onto the ground, we were teammates, it was do whatever, and he's one of the most competitive um, cricketers Australia's seen for a long time and uh, he's had a great career. It's um, did I want his spot? Yeah. Did he want mine? Yeah. And that's ultimately what happened is that um, one of us needed to make a decision to um, to leave and um, unfortunately that's, that's the decision I had to make because it was probably – heading that way um, and all credit to him and he's gone on and had a great career um, yeah so I chose New South Wales to to try and break in because I still as a 24 year old still wanted to play cricket for Australia and I think I got up to New South Wales and was always the Victorian um, and I think because I was a passionate Victorian moving up there looking back on it might not have been the greatest decision um, but um, yeah, you take the rear vision mirror off and move forward and, and you can only do what you what you can do and get out there and try and play. And I was lucky enough to then get an opportunity over in South Australia, which uh, which I loved, and we won a one-day title with South Australia, which was great. But, um, yeah, from being being mates, look, probably not. Um, professionally, yeah, we, we worked together, we worked hard. Um, and, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult few years, that's for sure, but... Um, as a professional creator, you've got to do that. You've got to stay professional. And, um, yeah, as we said, we juked it out. He won and he went on to play for Australia. So a question I've got for you now is we sort of move forward to Premier Cricket. Now, you guys both play at St Kilda. I'm interested in a little bit knowing a little bit more about the St Kilda Cricket Club because it's, it's been so successful. But the importance of having people in the game, now you're 37, 38, yep. um, to be still playing at the highest level in Premier Cricket to help mould the next players through and and, yeah. and to be a, a role model and a leader but still play. How important yeah. is that to you as you almost reflect back on your career? Yeah, it, it's huge and it's the it's the sole reason that I'm I'm still playing. Um, I want guys like John to learn how to be a first-class batter. Um, I want 
Todd Murphy to turn into a test cricketer. Um, we've got a young parade of, um, of quicks which are um, coming through, which is that's where I get my enjoyment out of it. Um, I believe I think I'll head into coaching after cricket, but at the moment I feel like I'm coaching on the ground um, and being able to work with them in real time is, is something that, um, yeah, I think is really important because I had those older guys with me and um, I've had great coaches along the way, but I've learned the most off my teammates and guys standing in the middle, fighting it out and figuring out how to do it. And I think that's what we're, what we're trying to build at St Kilda. And, and I think it's, it's sad when older guys get pushed out and, and I get it that life and, um, family and jobs get in the way, but the, the more older people we can keep in the game, older players, I think the better it is for for the up and coming kids and guys and men to um, and girls in in that um, in the girl side of thing. I think it's really important to to have that because otherwise it becomes a glorified under nineteen game, and um, these guys don't learn. Um, and I, I look, I'm really hard on John. Um, like really hard on him on Saturdays and through the week and um, because, yes, we want to win premierships for St Kilda, but we want him to be a, a first-class cricketer. So, Jono, do you learn more from Adam on a Saturday in a Premier Cricket game or in the week um, having coffees with him, conversations? When do you learn the most about cricket and about maybe yeah. even about yourself? Um, yeah, well, I think Adam's probably quite unique in a sense that, like, we talk quite regularly, um, so... I wouldn't say I learn more on the field than off the field. That's the thing. Like, he's probably one of the guys that I can go to about off-field stuff as well in terms of just life. Um, so I probably learn from Monday to Friday, I reckon, the most, I guess, because it's the conversations you have reflecting on things that probably you get the most or finding out about what he did in his life growing up even, I, I've learned a lot from. Um, but that doesn't... Um, put any dampener on what I learn off him on a Saturday. I think it's amazing. Like I think I, if I go back to the phone call he gave me when he was coming across from um, from Sydney, it was the first thing he said to me was, I want you to be the man at St Kilda that's going to make runs and you're going to push your case that way. And that was probably the first time I thought of, okay, I've got to go out there and I'm trying to make runs every single week. Not that I probably hadn't really thought about it when I was at that younger, rawer age, but he sort of, changed my focus to being it's like okay nah you're the guy that's going to do it today don't try and leave it to someone else don't think about that per se it's just go out get the job done do it and be the guy and I think that's probably one of the biggest message he says to me every single week almost is yeah be that guy and that's helped me tremendously. So you're still plundering runs Adam at Premier Cricket level I'm, I'm really interested <coughs> because in a lot of ways cricket's just a series of decision making out on the out on the field, you got to make the right decision, and often you make the, the best decision the older you get. Are you a better batsman now than you were, say, when you were 24, 25? Oh, 100 percent. He can still play Test cricket if you ask yeah. him now. I should be in the Test team. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a um, yeah, 100 percent. I feel that I wish I was still playing first class cricket as a as a batsman because I think that yeah, my decisions are a lot better. Um, my I know my game, and, and I, I honestly don't believe you know your game until you mid to late 20s um, and that's why we're still working with John is a work in progress it's um, and it is it's just decision making it's understanding it's putting your game plan together um, the boys all laugh at me because I, I I tell them no cover drives I, I don't hit the ball I'm through the offside um, and that's a decision that I've made that's um, 
and a lot of the boys will laugh at it, but it's it's, it's not so much that I don't cover drive. It's the fact that I've, I've I have a plan that's to the letter for every single um, player that runs in at me and bowls. And there's there's a, a various array of these type of decisions that are almost the onboard computer just computes now. It's um, and that's not to say that there's it's all robotic. It, it's it's a lot of skill and it's a lot of flair at times, but it's um, I think, and this is what we're working with the, the young players, it's, it needs to be, your skill needs to shine through a, a metric of what you're doing at, at the right time. So it's it's something that I'm really hard on with, with the guys because I want them to express themselves. I want them to play free and to, to open up, but it needs to be the percentage play at, at all times. 30 Premier Cricket Centuries would mean he's probably doing the right thing, not playing cover drive, Jono. <laughs> um, the state of Premier Cricket, this is to both of you, Last two years, COVID it hasn't just affected Premier Cricket, it's affected cricket everywhere. A lot of white ball cricket, not a lot of batting time, batting with a red ball, bowling 20 overs with a red ball. Do you think it's going to have an effect on the, the next generation of cricket or is it too early to tell? Uh, I hope it doesn't. Um, I think it's great that we're getting back to red ball cricket and that um, I, I didn't really worry about um, the top three or four because I, I felt that they still mm. got enough time to bat. I, I really felt for the the younger guys coming into the teams at five, six and seven through Premier Cricket that that probably haven't batted for multiple hours um, for a couple of years now, if sort of ever, that 18-year-old or the 20-year-old hasn't had that bulk volume yep. of, of balls faced. And, and I think that's a real... Um, Something that, that couldn't have been avoided, and I think that uh, Cricket Victoria and uh, cricket in general fought really hard to make sure that we had competitive cricket over the last few years. But um, yeah, time will tell with that. But I really hope that um, we can just get back to some long form cricket, um, and the the basics can show like shine. And and I've got guys at St Kilda that I just want to, f- I want them to face two hundred balls um, in an innings. And I talk about the two hundred club, and that's facing 200 balls and if you do that you usually make 100 and you usually win the game so um going back to that i think we're all excited as cricketers to to put the whites back on and um yeah play some red ball cricket what do you reckon john yeah i think um because i've obviously had a lot of different people sort of bring that up with me because i'm a 23 year old going through that early phase of my career um i just think you've just got to look at it the other way like i look at it in a way that it's like well i've been able to develop my white ball cricket for two years straight now where a lot of like if you look at Adam's career like you probably didn't get that opportunity when you were mm. at my age um, and I think yeah it's all well and good looking at it and saying oh geez I've missed out on so much red ball cricket which I mean for me like I love playing red ball cricket and that does suck but I mean I've been able to develop my spin play against um, all spinners in white ball cricket t20 one day and I think that's something that I'll be able to then bring into red ball cricket and say that look that's a skill that I've been able to try and nail um, through this two-year period. So I think you can always try and look at it as, oh, geez, we've missed out a bit here, but you got to try and look at it the other way and say that's an amazing skill or skills that we've been able to develop because we've been able to only play white ball cricket. I think if you look back as well to when 2020 came into the game, 2020 then in turn made one-day cricket better. And I think this will the – the amount of one-day cricket that we've played – will hopefully make two-day cricket better. Um, it's still – it's different when we talk four-day cricket into shield cricket, but um, the scores – it will be really interesting to see the scores this year um, in Premier Cricket and how what the scoring rates are like and if the um, if the guys play attacking cricket because we want attacking cricket. Mm. Um, 
it's just how does that balance hold up um, from the attack versus the long term yeah. um, side of the game? But it's it's going to be um, it's going to be great. So John's going to make the 200 club and he's going to face 200 balls but he's going to do it at a strike rate of probably 85 <laughs> so he's going to be he's going to be scoring a lot of runs that's right lots of balls but lots of runs now we can't finish this conversation without asking about the Seattle Thunderbolts uh, I know it's a it's a recent thing and um, I've spoken to you about it before on, on radio about going over there what's it like and what's the what's the future look like for cricket in America yeah, so the Seattle Thunderbolts is uh, it's an exciting venture. Uh, I took my family across to the US and uh, it was an interesting conversation with my wife when I walked in and said, um, uh, pack your things, we're, we're moving to the US to play cricket um, and to coach cricket and to, um, I guess, start a franchise over there. So it was a, the opportunity to be involved in a franchise starting um, in an emerging market, which is the US, um, was something I just... I couldn't give up. And it was one of those ones that was like, if you're ever going to do anything in cricket, this is one of the things that you need to to jump at. So we did. Uh, we went over and um, played and managed in the minor league, the US minor league, uh, Toyota minor league over there, which was 26 teams across the country uh, in four divisions. And, uh, yeah, we were lucky enough to, to win the whole thing, which was um, incredible. So we, we had a... Um, there's no local Americans playing. It's all expat Indian, South African, Sri Lankan. Um, it's a world 11. My team was uh, – it probably taught me so much about world cricket because we had a mashup of cultures and it was mm. – um, the the way the Indians played was completely different to the way the South Africans played, which is completely different to the way the Sri Lankans looked at cricket. And it was completely different to the way that we in Australia have been brought up on cricket. So – from a culturally, I learned a lot. Cricket culture, I learned even more. Um, and it was, yeah, it was an amazing time. Um, US cricket's in a really interesting space with um, a lot of money and a lot of interest uh, in that minor league and major league. So, major league will start next year, which will be a six team competition, um, fully professional. Um, Big money, the IPL are buying into to that competition as well. So um, it's really, I think it's going to be the the next T20 um, space. And if you think of it this way, and like I've said to you, this to you before, that it's um, American sport mashed with Indian money. Um, it's only going to be big, um, and it and it really is. It's in a uh, it's in its infancy. US cricket's having some issues that they've, they've got to get through and the ICC have moved in there and, and are helping them. So once the administration can get things sorted, um, there's a lot of interest um, from a lot of people in in the US to, to make this happen. So I, I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be big. And, and the way they're talking and there's people I'm speaking to, they want it to be the second biggest competition in the world. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't put that past the Americans and the Indians. Just finally, and it's the, the most important question, what, what does Victorian cricket mean to you? Now looking back on it, what, what does it mean to you? Um, yeah, Vic, Vic, Victorian, means, Victorian cricket means a lot to me. It's, uh, it's probably the only team that I've um, – that and the Carlton Football Club are the only two teams that I've – really loved and watched for my entire life. And um, I, I loved playing and being handed my cap um, and Warney handed my cap, um, 804. And it was 
it's just something that, that means a lot to me. And um, even when I moved away, moving away from Victorian cricket, I was uh, that really hurt. That really hurt me as a, as a person and as a cricketer. Um, again, I said I had to do it professionally, but um, yeah, look, I, I love this place. I love watching the boys play. Um, I'm probably their biggest fan um, and watching them play and watching them how well we've done over the last 20 years is something that I'm really proud of. Um, back from the, the Hooksy era to, to now to, with Bucky, it's a, um, yeah, it means a lot to me and, and I love watching them play and can't wait to see them roll out again on Monday. I've been really excited about having a chat to you. You haven't let me down. It's been awesome. Uh, Jono, thanks for being part of it as well. And uh, I'm sure we'll touch base again before the end of the season. Absolutely. That ends the Vic State Cricket Podcast for this week. We hope you've enjoyed the chat. Um, We'll do it all again next time.